You're listening to the podcast of Church of the Holy Cross in Popper Bluff, Missouri, a community of faith learning to do life together in the goodness of God. For more information, you can find us online at holycrosspb.org. Where does the time go? It seems like it was just Easter and here we are at the last Sunday after Pentecost. Christmas is only a few weeks away. At the same time, it seems like it's been forever because we've been living with COVID-19 that whole time. And then add a contentious election on top of that. But in spite of how it may seem, time does continue to move on and the church year does come to an end. Today is proper 29 in our lectionary calendar, the end of our long green season. The last Sunday after Pentecost, the last Sunday of the church year, the last Sunday before Advent, is commonly these days known as the Feast of Christ the King. You may not know this, but the Feast of Christ the King is quite a modern feast day. It was invented out of whole cloth by Pope Pius XI in 1925 and was moved to the last Sunday before Advent in 1969. So it's properly a Roman Catholic festival, not an Anglican festival at all, but we Anglicans have by and large adopted it and with good reason. Pius wanted to have a festival that drew people away from the secular world of politics and into a celebration of the kingdom of heaven. It's a good feast day to celebrate, and it's something we Episcopalians can certainly use right now. But what does it really mean to say that Christ is king? We don't think anything of saying it now, but in first century Palestine, it was a really dangerous thing to say. After all, the Roman Empire was in charge. Only the emperor could make a king or remove one. But that didn't stop the New Testament writers. St. Paul especially was directly opposing the Roman Empire when he named Jesus as the Lord. You could call anyone a Lord or our Lord, but the Lord was a title reserved for the emperor. Calling anyone else the Lord was high treason and punishable by death. Paul did this a lot, and Paul was continually pushing back against the empire and saying that Jesus was greater than the empire. Take our epistle reading for today. God put this power to work in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he has put all things under his feet and has made him the head over all things for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. In other words, 
Christ has authority even over the emperor. And look at, look at who Paul and the early Christians called king, a man who was crucified. Crucifixion for the Roman Empire was reserved for the worst criminals, often enemies of the state. It was a terrible, torturous, protracted form of punishment. It wasn't aimed at rehabilitation. It was designed to make an example of someone. It was designed to say, here's what we do with people who don't believe we're in charge. A criminal executed by the state. He's our king. It's ridiculous. And yet, maybe that's the point. Compared to the way the world normally works, it is ridiculous. As Paul says several times in the first letter to the Corinthians, the wisdom of this world and the wisdom of God simply don't operate the same way. In their book, The Real Paul, scholars Marcus Borg and John Dominic Crossan contrast the Roman view of peace with that of Paul. The Roman idea of the way you got peace was you worshiped the gods, which gave you strength to go to war, where you achieved victory, which brought peace. Religion leads to violence, which leads to victory, which leads to peace. But Paul's idea was different. For Paul, worship of, of God and the risen Christ led to nonviolence, which created justice, which led to peace. Religion leads to nonviolence, which leads to justice, which leads to peace. See, the whole basis of Christ's kingdom is topsy-turvy to the way the world expects a kingdom to operate, all of, which, all of which brings us to today's gospel, where Christ talks about when the Son of Man comes in his glory and describes who will be commended and who will be, well, not so much commended. We've just, in the past two weeks, heard parables about someone important going away, and when he comes back, he praises some and condemns others. We've had wise and foolish maidens at a wedding and the parable of the talents. Finally, in this week's gospel reading, Jesus is getting down to the point. What do we do to be commended? How do we apply this end times thinking in our lives? And the answer may not be what everyone was expecting. I'm going to split everybody into two groups, he says, sheep on the right and goats on the left. To the sheep, I'll say, come on in. You took care of me when I needed it. And they'll say, Lord, when did we take care of you? And I'll say, if you did it for others, you did it for me. And to the ones on the left, I'll say, get out of my sight. You never helped me when I needed it. And they'll say, Lord, when did you need help? And I'll say, if you didn't help others, you didn't help me. This kind of behavior, helping others when they need help is an example of what philosophers call distributive justice, making sure that everyone's needs are met. And when St. Paul speaks of justice, that's what he's talking about. 
We're used to thinking of justice as punishment, but that's not the only kind. The Old Testament prophets and the Gospels are full of the distributive kind, showing mercy to those in need. And Jesus was constantly talking about it. But it's not the way human kingdoms operate. When you have a human king, you treat him better than everyone else. He gets better food, better clothing, better everything. You treat him better than everyone else. In Jesus' kingdom, you treat everyone else as if they were him. And it's not just a matter of calling him Lord either. If you were listening to the story, both groups called him Lord, even the goats. It's not about paying lip service. It's about getting down to the business of the kingdom of heaven. One thing more, you might notice that even the sheep in the story didn't actually recognize Christ in the people they helped. Seeing Christ in every human being, like anything worthwhile, takes practice. And the way you practice anything is to act as if it were true. Wouldn't it be wonderful if finally, after years of treating people like we would treat him, we looked up and actually saw his face. As silly as it may seem, by the logic of this world, our king was crucified, died, and was buried. But he rose again, and this is what he expects of us, to treat every fellow human, not just a select few, as if they were he. Amen. Alleluia.